Welcome everybody to episode three of our Good Life You series. Um, and this week we're going to be talking about the five faucet theory. This is a continuation in the series, and in our second episode, we talked about wonky schedules. And uh, if you haven't watched or listened to that episode, uh, our, our episodes are kind of going to build on each other. So I'd recommend you go back and watch the second episode, and, and in there you'll see me lead that episode by saying maybe you should go watch the first one. So it's probably a good idea to go ahead and watch the first and the second one, but definitely get into that second one to set this one up. I think you'll be much happier uh, and, and, and learn a little bit more about what we're trying to do. So we're excited about this. Um, if you like our series, then share it, subscribe it, and you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. So we're excited uh, about our viewership. There's get, getting to be a, a lot of traction with this, and we love the collaboration and the feedback I'm getting from the people that we work with. And all of our uh, Good Life U uh, partner agencies that we're actually working with uh, in different parts of the country, thank you for all the, the, the feedback we're getting from you, too. You know, as you learn, wonky schedules from the last episode are crazy mixed-up schedules that are sort of off-balance. They're hard to fill. They're fractured. They're filled with part-time and full-time uh, staff. Um, they're, ironically, how they were created, as crazy as they actually end up being, they're perfectly explainable how they got there. But that doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're, they're going to produce stable workforce. And the reality is, uh, we talk very clear that, that, that this has to be a win-win-win. It's got to be a win for you know, the, our DSP heroes that are working. They've they got to have a, an attractive schedule. It's got to be a win for the agency, so that the community provider who has to deliver care. And beyond all, it's got to be a win for people with, individual, uh, people with disabilities who want increasingly individualized services in increasingly small settings. So we've got to pull that all off, and we can do that. Uh, but the irony of wonky schedules is when you look at and develop them, you know, you can explain them, but that doesn't mean they're something that you can actually deliver good care in. So anyway, that was the last episode, and we kind of ended by talking in, in, uh, about, you know, what do we want instead? And, uh, you know, real quickly, you know, we, we really want full-time and not part-time schedules because professional care is delivered by full-time employees that you can really put your effort into training. You want all these schedules to be equally appealable by, by the schedule or by pay. We talked about schedule migration. We don't want people running and moving from schedule to schedule as, they, you know, as turnover happens and they keep looking for something better. Um, we want them to be equal. Uh, we want fewer different employees involved in, in care and we want fewer transi transitions across the day for a client uh, to experience. Uh, and we definitely want to cover all the, the, the care ratios efficiently. We want them standardized, uh, and we want as many days off as possible because the more days off you have, the more you, opportunities you have to work extra when you're needed. So it increases your capacity, and we'll get to that later. But uh, more than anything, we want to make sure that when we actually are trying to recruit people from the public to work in our program, you want to have attractive schedules to recruit people to, with starting pay. And most of the time, that's not the case. We're actually 
having the, the unwanted schedules are the ones that we end up attracting people to work with at beginning pay, which causes all of the vacancies and the chronically open positions and, and actually feeds into additional turnover and, and problems. So, you know, we, we talked about what, what, what the problems were, we talked about what we wanted, uh, and today what I'm going to do is dive a little deeper into uh, the different types of schedules that are used at Good Life as a comparison, and, and our partners, but we're going to kind of use Good Life as an example, uh, and talk a little, a little bit about the challenges and the, the uses of these schedules. I will tell you, um, we don't use one schedule, at, uh, and nobody does, use just one scheduling approach to deliver care because you have to have schedules that are layered on top of each other in ways that will allow you to deliver the ratios of care that you need. And the care needs ebb and flow across time, and they are in, intermittent in, in many ways. And so you have to have schedules that can handle that. And that's often what produces all the problems with the schedules in the first place, how that is laid out. But at the same time, this is kind of what we're charged with. And so we have different standardized schedules that we layer on top of each other. Now, one of them that's most use uh, that is most well known I, I guess the most used schedule across the country and we use it too in very small moderation is the five-day work week usually in our case there's that we you know we have traditional day services in our program for some people generally it's people who live with families at home or other providers who need traditional day services. And that's usually Monday through Friday, you know, eight uh, to four or in that general range. And so that Monday through Friday schedule is used in some small way to provide consistency, you know, in those traditional day service schedules. We do not use that method though for all of our traditional day services. We just use that to provide some stability across those five days. So we do use five-day work schedules in a very limited way. The reason we don't use it more broadly is because a five-day work schedule, you know, generally that's something that would have three shifts across a 24-hour period, usually a 7 to 3, 3 to 11, and 11 to 7, or something like that. It produces the most part-time positions of any scheduling system. It, it, it because you're left with two days that are un, uncovered. Uh, and the only way around that would be to do a, either a rotating schedule or schedules of those five days in ways that give very unattractive days off. And if you work five days and you have very unattractive days off, that isn't very appealing, of course. The other thing about an uh, eight-hour workday is when when you really have no capacity to work extra. I mean, you only have two days off, and I believe, and I think most people believe, you have to have two days off for work-life balance, right? Uh, and so when you're asked to work extra, most people are like pulling, quote, double shifts. Well, 16 hours is a long day. Uh, and so they usually don't do it. What happens is they pick up, I, well, I can do four more hours, but that's all I can do. And so now you start fracturing schedules, and now you got to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to get somebody to come in from 8 p.m. until 11 tonight? How am I going to do that? The truth is you can't, or you often can't, and that means a manager has to backfill that. And so all of a sudden, the managers are working extra, and, and so that's a problem. So, you know, the five-day work schedules, 
are a problem for a lot of reasons. It produces part-time, unattractive days off, and as you'll hear later, organically, they you know, before you give PTOs, they only have 104 days off a year, you know, two days, two days a week, right? Well, it requires the most PTOs of any scheduling system because you, you, you know, if you have 104 days off, you know, you have to give quite a few PTOs. Most of the people that I've worked with with five day work weeks are giving 30 to 40 extra days off a year. That's a lot of days off a year. And it's a little bit of self-inflicted damage because by giving all that time off, you have to fill it, right? And so the five-day work week is just a problem for so many reasons, uh, and it probably singularly explains why we have 69% full-time and 31% part-time as average in this country, which is not what you want to deliver professional services. So, you know, we use it, but in very small moderations in what we do. That's uh, uh, one thing. Now, another one would be a part-time uh, schedule. Normally, those are weekend positions. We use them in very small moderation, very few. In fact, I think we only have 4% part-time positions in our agency. Now, that's compared to 31% nationally. So we just use a fraction of part-time, and it's on, on weekends when we do it normally, but only when they're working with somebody who is full-time and experienced. You know, the problem with part-time is two things. One, if somebody's working a part-time weekend, usually they're working somebody else full-time or they're going to school or they're doing something. Really, part-time positions rarely work extra because by definition, they want part-time. And usually they're bolting that onto some other job somewhere or they're, they, they have other responsibilities and that's what they can afford to do. So it's not a very good position to get extra capacity for an agency. And it's filled with risk because they're often working during times when there's no supervision present. I mean, if people are working weekends part-time, then the managers who are working are not usually working weekends. Uh, oftentimes I've seen in agencies that are working by themselves on the weekend. Some people call this weekend warriors. It sounds great, but it's delivering care that, that often is risky and it has the most of all positions, it has the most vacancies. What that means is when you have those vacancies, well, what happens? Well, you got to have five-day workweek people pick up two days, which is hard to do. Then you don't have any time off. Or you have managers doing it and you're going to lose managers. And if you lose managers, you're gonna look, you lose your direct support staff as well. So that's not a good option, but it is used in a targeted way in our agency, but never by them, never by themselves. So those are two types of schedules that everybody else knows about. Everybody uses those. Um, but I'm going to talk to you about one that, that, that most people don't do. And this is really our go-to schedule. I'd say, you know, about 40% or 45% of all of our schedules uh, fall into this category. This is a three-day, sometimes it's a four-day work week, but mostly a three-day work week. It's called the front back half work week. This is basically taking the week and dividing it in two. We call it the front half and the back half. The front half works 
Sunday and two days out of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or it works Saturday and two days out of Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So there's the front half and the back half of the work week. The, there's oftentimes a swing day. Some people will call that Wednesday. We do it in a couple of different ways, but if it's a swing day on a Wednesday, then sometimes either one or the other pick that up, or sometimes one claims it as, as, as part of their work week. Uh, and, I'll, and, and I'll go over another technique here in a little bit, but basically you work three days and sometimes you pick up that fourth day and sometimes you have an, an overlay staff that works the swing day across, you know, three homes uh, where one swing day is on a Tuesday, one swing day is on a Wednesday and one swing day is on a, uh, on a Thursday. And we can go through, you know, details of how that would happen, but uh, or show a schedule uh, on how that would work. But that's that's kind of how the front back half now. A front half back half workforce works 12 or 13 hours a day. Uh, that's how it works. So they're working roughly 36 to 39 hours in a work week. Uh, always one of them is on a week weekend. It's either a Saturday, but here's the deal. So they're working 36 hours, three days, sometimes four days if they want to pick that swing day up. And we're going to talk about a compensation system that's designed to go with this on a later episode. But I want you to get the point. This is a, it's front half, back half, day, and night. It covers 24 hours or it covers waking hours, depending on how you use it. We'll go into detail when you get into some scheduling techniques in the later, in, in the, probably in the next episode. Uh, but I want you to understand it conceptually. The main issue on this is to recognize some of its benefits. You're working 36 to 39 hours across three or four days, generally three days. Now, that means you have 16 days off a month organically. That's 208 days a year. That's twice as many organic days off than you do in a five-day work week, right? That's 104 days off. Now, let's pretend that you're really generous and you get 40 days of PTOs with that, right? So you get 104 days and 40 days of PTOs. That's 144 days off. Pretty generous, right? Well, except that in the front back half workforce, you start off with 208 days before you give a day of additional time. You get, you get 16 days off a month. You fundamentally get as many days off or more off than what you're working. That's life balance. And that, the cool thing about that is that then you could actually work extra and still have three days off. So it's an incredibly good system from an employee's point of view. Now, the other thing is it also, so in addition to being a lots of days off, you have more time to work extra and still have days off. You have um, better coverage on weekends because you're not looking at just part-time people working weekends. There's always a full-time team working on a Saturday, a full-time team working on a Sunday. Then when you put a part-time on top of that, it's livable because they're not working with other part-time people, right? There you have two teams and it's a team approach. There's some symmetry about that. There's some consistency about that. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, there's lower call-off rates uh, associated with it. All of our research show that because if you don't, if, if they have four days off and you don't, let's, we'll talk about this later, we don't give as many PTOs and we'll get into that later. Uh, but when that happens, you know, they don't call off as much. What they do is trade and we'll get into a whole you know the details of that later but that's a really cool benefit 
they have fewer trips to work. Think about that. I mean, they don't have to come to work as often. That means not as much childcare. That means the transportation problems that often happen around people with lower incomes. All of those things are there. Uh, they have uh, fewer people involved in the care, fewer transitions across today, and you're able to recruit staff who work from longer distances away from where your, your home is. That's a big deal. And the other thing about it is you're able to um, uh, use some premium pay and other kinds of pay strategies that we're going to go into later. So, you know, I want you just to kind of get the high level. This is, this is a scheduling system that we use. We use it in combination with others, but it's probably our go-to, I call it our base scheduling system. So the base is this front back half system, day and night. You layer on top of that maybe a few extra part-times in, in a few Monday through Friday positions. Uh, and by the way, on another episode all by itself where we layer in live in, live by, and live with types of positions on this that can provide uh, coverage that ebbs and flows to cover intermittent needs. So you look at all these combinations of staffing approaches and put it together, and what you have is you have a portfolio of positions that are standardized, that are used to put together the ratios that you need, and they all have a purpose. And that's how we approach the scheduling. And at the end of the day, uh, what it means is they also have um, different rates of turnover, variety of other things, and stability. And collectively, they, they, they increase the stability of the program, fewer different people involved in care, and they really just deliver better care. So what I really kind of want you to take out of the episode today is that we have this approach to scheduling. And the approach to scheduling really tries to give people more of what they want. And what direct support staff want is they want more pay, and we'll get into that. These schedules actually produce about 10% or 15% more buying power for, for pay. But they also give all this other stuff that they want, work-life balance, time off, and for the agency, it gives them the capacity to work extra and less reliance on part-time workforce. So it, it's sort of like trying to create that win-win-win arrangement. And you now have, at the end, you have these five faucets running. That's a faucet for all these different types of schedules that work and have a purpose, a very targeted purpose. And so you're recruiting to the public these different options that's going to appeal to different groups and they're going to have a pipeline of greater number of employees coming into the agency. And because they're standardized, you don't actually have to wait until these, these positions are open in order to hire. That's going to be covered under another episode called Vacancy or Workforce Management and how our superimposed staffing and our employees' staffing uh, choices work. And that's you know, an incredible thing for HR because they are not going to the public asking, trying to fill positions that they can't fill. And they're not waiting for weeks to figure out really what position is available as people migrate across an agency. This is all designed to kind of work together. So this episode kind of gives you the big picture of the different approaches. Next episode, 
we're going to talk about how do we get organized in your agency to to figure out what what schedules we use in your homes and in your program and then we're going to go into some details of how we get that done then we're going to talk about our pay strategies after that